For 2023, I'm being very careful about the calendar because all these cases are really complex, right? Like, cheers. Yeah, be really careful about that. I don't want to be like we are right now, pulling our hair out and going, oh, yeah. you need a drink at noon. No, and, and it's like, <laughs> Which you know, we didn't do. it takes a lot of time to prepare it properly because these are such serious, complex cases. And we, it's so much time with, with the clients to make sure not only that they're settled, that they can focus, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's preparing the client that takes a lot of time. Well, their life's on the line. Yeah. You know? Well, it just reminds me, I've had like three calls through Lighthouse asking for help. <clears throat> sort of asking for help, but also just saying, I think my story would change things if people knew what happened to me in my divorce case. And I'm just like, you can't yeah. help. I, I, there's nothing I can do to help these guys. Yeah. And also, no, nothing changes. Yeah. But... There is some good advice to give people, which is, you know, and that's something that you actually said to somebody, more than one person, actually. Just don't push so much because next thing you know, you're going to get criminally charged. You know, it's so poorly understood, right? People lose their shit when they're in these family court battles and they, they don't think like, A, if I'm writing something or I'm saying something, imagine that whatever that is, a judge is going to read it at some point. Don't go to you know, the extreme because something happened in the course of the litigation or something with the transfer of the children. Keep calm. Don't overstep bounds. Realize when there's some resistance on the other side to just think about it before you act because there are some people who go too far in their litigation and then they're calling us. It's inevitable. Well, and it drives them crazy. Right. Like, they actually seem legitimately crazy sometimes by the time they get here. There's well, like... You know, they're they're sending us weird anecdotes of things that have nothing to do with anything, and and all they all they really want to talk about is how much they miss their kids. And it's tragic. You know, it's, it's be <laughs> our family court system needs uh, major reform, where it is you know moving along, where you can't screw the system the way people do. If you have a litigant on the other side who doesn't want to settle doesn't want to come to a resolution, doesn't want to draft out that separation agreement, they can drag it out forever and drive the other party nuts and then overhold a child, you know, on, on an access exchange. Overhold the child. How are you going to get the child back? Well, you got to bring a motion. Well, when are you going to get a date for a motion? Is it really an emergency? Maybe it's not an emergency. Maybe, you know, it takes forever. So it can drive people nuts and it does. But we can't, you can't feed into that. I've seen yeah. a couple where it's like, you know, they were going through that whole routine and then when the usually the woman was about to be found in contempt of court because she'd been violating uh, orders to grant access and yeah. such. That's when the, the accusation comes. I've seen that, like, in, in my limited experience, I've already seen that three times. Oh, yeah. It was, like, right at the moment they were going to be found in contempt of court. Oh, my God, sexually assaulted the child. Yeah. Or, 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 <laughs> or the spouse. Yeah, it's all the... Yeah. That's why so much of our, our, of our work comes out of high-conflict uh, divorce cases. But the system literally perpetuates this. This system creates a foundation upon which you can have extreme acrimony, alienation of parents, harm to the children, and then criminal allegations. It just perpetuates it. Well, once you're, you're into the, <coughs> the family law court system and one realizes that you may get a more favorable uh, outcome to make an allegation, then you're all in. Once it's it's thrown into an affidavit or makes its way into a pleading, uh, there's really no kind of backing out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's no, no. It, 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 it we get these calls all the time, but you know. It, Remember another thing that we see too that couples before they get 
before they break up get so crazy that they're like recording each other you know like they'll record each other during access visits and stuff like that too but just to try and show what's going on but like i don't know how these people stay together for so long when they're living in a home where they feel the need to record each other i've seen it in in our criminal cases we have one right now setting down for trial where they both got their phones out the kids are like what the is going on yeah these are my parents right and they're filming each other, screaming at each other to see who's the more nut job in the situation. And it's awful. And, and they've both driven each other to the point. Sometimes it is a two-way street. They both do it. But, but, but you know, staying together when you're separated in the same house is like a recipe for disaster. The system just can be dragged out. It can be an absolute nightmare and can just debilitate people emotionally, certainly financially. It can be, it's just, it's awful. I know. What was it like I was saying earlier this week and you started laughing and we was like, <clears throat> yeah, we need to talk about that. It was like, um, you, just because you're a nice person doesn't mean, you know, that nothing's going to happen to you. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, I love that because this really has to be the, the title of this episode. Just because you're a nice person doesn't mean something bad won't happen to you. And um, over the last month and a half, um, we have been retained by people aged 18 to 25 charged with sexual assault with former girlfriends or somebody they're dating and these people who are charged um, certainly on their face are pleasant intelligent very nice each one emotionally broken when they come into the office i mean emotionally broken one of them i i was so destabilized at the end of the night because all, you know, all of us who are parents, you know, God forbid, and crying at 18 and a half years of age being charged, just absolutely devastated going like, I, I can't believe this. Like, I, I can't believe this. And we have had four or five of these cases in such a short span that I'm calling this an epidemic of this yeah. this type of allegation. And we've talked about this before, but it, it's been really overwhelming to see this. Epidemic of borderline personality. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what's going on. How often do we hear that where, where the people go, well, I think she said she has borderline personality disorder. And, yeah. and then I've joked, it's, like, it's just another way of saying woman. <laughs> You're get I'm allowed to say that. I think we should bleep the whole thing out. I'm allowed to say that. That's not true. We're not saying But that. it's a good joke. It's a good joke. And, yeah. and people have to be able to take jokes. Right? But what is it with these young guys, though? They're more likely to actually respond to an accusation on text message and apologize, uh, even though they didn't do it. Yeah, well, uh, well, that's a problem, but it's certainly part of human nature to try to calm down one's uh, partner by, you know, waving the uh, white flag. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, let's break this down for a moment. Just slow it down. So let's take one of we we've had a ton of these cases. Every one of these cases that we've defended as as a team has had a young man charged with sexual assault with somebody they're dating, and at some point something comes up which is bizarre to our client, and he responds to the person by text message because that's how these kids communicate these days, saying, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I I, I didn't want to hurt." hurt you. I, I didn't know you were feeling this way. I'm really, really sorry. 
every single one of these instances, it's the exact same thing. And they, they can even say something like, you know, I shouldn't have done that, but you don't, but they're thinking about something benign, right? But they're thinking I said something that hurt their feelings or something like that. Like you can get stuff that like, you're really looking at it on the surface going, well, that's a confession. You know what I mean? And yeah. then once you hear the, the details of like what they were thinking and where they were when they got the message or, but I think, and you know, and I was I think I was saying to you earlier, it's like, they're so trained now to be supportive of, you know, survivors and stuff that when you're, especially when you're innocent, you're, and you're hearing somebody talk about it. Like, I mean, let's say you're not even involved, you're not being accused. You know, somebody says, um, oh, I was sexually assaulted when I was, a, you know, when I was a child or a teenager or something like that. And the first thing you do is say, I'm so sorry. Right? Right. Yeah. And it's, so it, it's an instinct. It can be taken out of context very quickly. Well, it, it is. But, you know, let, let's look at it from a different perspective for a moment. Because I think this is important when we're talking about you can be a nice person and still get f***ed over, right? So there's a few aspects of it. And I think it's important because it's happened, we've had so much of these cases. And, and, and not just sexual assaults, like being a nice person in a domestic violence accusation too yeah but but the sex assault really is 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 um life altering because I, i'm going to digress for a second so bring me back but l just so people understand when somebody's charged with a criminal offense like sexual assault in ontario you can go all the way through the process have the charge withdrawn or be acquitted at trial and on the computer system it's going to have your name date of birth the charge disposition Dismissed, meaning you won a trial, or withdrawn, and yet that still exists. The police, the Toronto police have a policy, they don't purge that. Ever. Right? It's still on the CPIC, the Canadian Police Information Centre. So if you're applying well, we for a job... we saw that with an MP recently too, right? Where he had charges withdrawn and then he was told he couldn't run for politics. Yeah. Oh, let's come back to a moment <laughs> on okay. that one, because I commented on that on air, and, and the NDP whatever candidate for that riding that lost said he forfeited his right to be in office. And I, I almost reached through my car and wanted to kill it because this is, this is really important for people to understand. Just being charged f***s you up forever, right? So you apply for it, you get acquitted. Three years later, you apply for a job where they have an enhanced criminal background check a vulnerable, sector, a vulnerable sector search. It comes up because our system is stacked against anybody who is charged with an offense. Yeah. Stacked against anybody who's charged with an offense. It will come up and you and it will say, not guilty. Put it in brackets, I'm f***ing innocent. But it doesn't actually is, say not guilty is the problem. It says dismissed. Yeah. But nobody, you will never get that job. They'll never explain to you why. And that will haunt you forever. So just being charged. Let's just get this straight so people understand. Just being charged is life-altering. Well, step one, uh, if you're a student, you know, at a university, you'll likely be told, you know, and if it involves another uh, university student, yeah. you'll be told you can no longer attend class, right? Immediately. Immediately. Yeah, while they're investigating. Yeah. So there is no presumption of innocence uh, on campus. And we just actually had a blog go online um, about yes. the wording in those policies at the universities where they 
<clears throat> they had an asterisk next to a uh, victim and or survivor or something like that. And the, and I thought they were going to say, we're just using this word out of politeness, but they actually, maybe, did we talk about this on the previous podcast? Yeah. I'm sure we did. Uh, we can say it again. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just like, they just said uh, other words that, you know, or whatever word they want to refer to themselves uh, as like some want to be called victim, survivor, or what was there was a really word, thriver. 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 Yeah. So... We got way off track of what you were originally trying to, to get at, which is the, like, once you're accused. Um, so getting charges withdrawn on a sexual assault case is not easy. No, it, it's not It's easy, essentially, there was no prospect of conviction. That's what people need to understand. Yeah, so to, to get it withdrawn, you know, you have to have a lot of communication with the Crown Attorney. And we typically um, will open our brief to a Crown and we'll disclose information and prepare, you know, we put it together as a team, an RPC memo. And that's where you know we combine with our various talents to, to to describe it to a crown attorney so they understand. But you basically have to establish that there is no reasonable prospect of conviction, and a crown may come to that conclusion, and then charges withdrawn. So on the day it's withdrawn, it says, "Your Honor, uh, we've come to the conclusion that there is no reasonable prospect of conviction. As a result, we're withdrawing the charge." The defense lawyer will say, "Yes, based upon the analysis of the evidence, there really is no case here. Uh, we're you know our client's innocent, and that's great." But that doesn't get reported, right. and then that's not reflected in the database. What's th- what's what's there is withdrawn, and 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 it seems to be that our culture doesn't care. Our culture doesn't even notice this. You will never get a job if you've ever been charged because there is no presumption of innocence. It is astounding how this impacts people. It's well, where there's smoke, there's fire. It's mm-hmm. it's entirely that principle. So if you've been charged with something and you're going to be working with children, we're going to err on the side of caution and we're not going to hire you. You're going to work uh, for the uh, with elderly. We're just not going to hire you. Medicine. Yeah, yeah anything right. in medical because people yeah. are Accounting. unconscious or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Accounting. Yeah, no, it's... it's Banking, finance. Let's just think about but, it. But why, though? And that's because the advocacy groups have control and the ear of the media. And so all people think when they see withdrawn is the system's broken. This is one of those, you know, cases that never got to trial that they talk about only like 0.01% or maybe they say it's actually 0.001 because they, they work with ridiculous starting numbers yeah. to the point that if we had a 100% charge policy, 100% um, going to trial and 100% conviction rate, they'd still say it's abysmal. How many, yeah. how many rapists right. get away with it? Yeah, right. but, but let, let's just for a second go back for a moment just to underscore this. So whoever's interested in enjoying this type of podcast, and maybe this has some educational value to the rest of our population who thinks that people who are charged are guilty, they're not. Uh, we have an overwhelming uh, success rate and an overwhelming amount of our clients who are truly, truly, truly innocent. And if you sat down with these people and you met with them and you talked to them, your heart would break as to what they're going through, and you would never want to see them go through this. But being a nice guy or a nice person doesn't mean you're not going to get charged. And when you get charged and you want to, you want to say to the person that you cared about who's charging you now or who said something, you say, I'm really sorry. Our system takes that as an admission of guilt when it's not. Because one of those young men, when I said to him, Oh, you, you t- I understand. You, you, you said sorry. And he said to me, what am I supposed to say? What, what do I say? Mm-hmm. I care about this person. I don't want to hurt them. It's not my reality. But 
whatever they felt or experienced is something I'm concerned about. So they're apologizing, but they're not admitting guilt. But our system loves to vilify that apology, that it's an admission of guilt, when it's an act of sensitivity. Well, here's the the funny thing is, um, over a decade ago, uh, the civil law realized that a lot of people sue um, and they actually just want an acknowledgement from the company or the person or what have you. Uh, you know, a, a hospital where they think that they got subpar for their loved ones and whatnot. <clears throat> so the government actually passed a law that says that you can apologize uh, and it cannot be used as an admission uh, to establish liability. So you get the best of both worlds. That is, uh, a company or an individual is free to try to assuage the feelings without uh, suffering the penalty of it being automatically an admission in law of their liability. Well, that's brilliant, and we need that in criminal law. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, we're not going to get it. Well, we'll see. They have, if we push hard enough, if people pay attention to what we're saying, you but know, if was, we push hard enough, maybe. I was telling you about the Alfred plea down in the States, though, and you said it was useless. Well, it you is. know, I, I've never been a fan of the Alfred yeah. plea in the United States. Somebody explain. It's uh, basically, you don't admit the facts, but you acknowledge... Um, no contest. Uh, yeah, you plead guilty, basically, um, without admitting the facts. Yeah, because, and especially in the States, because they sentence people to hundreds of years, and yeah. so the stakes are so high for them, they realize they could easily get convicted, even though they're, you know, they're not guilty, but they say no contest with the state, the state, you know, is likely to win, so I'll yeah. take a plea deal, but I'm not guilty. Yeah, let's keep in mind, like, in the United States, so you've got federal and, and state law, right? Yeah. So if you're charged with a state offense, you know, it's different. You may not get 500 years, right? Leaving that aside, I, I've never liked no contest. Yeah. Because if you're going to plead guilty, it has to be on the right basis. Well, that's... Right. Like, I, you know, th- that's something I actually understand. If you are pleading, there's nothing wrong with a person saying, I did this, I'm sorry, and I'm going to pay the price for it, and then we deal with this as we have to according to sentencing laws, but I would like to inject more compassion and how we deal with people who resolve cases. I, I just two weeks ago have a case of where somebody has resolved. It's an internet luring case. The person has mental difficulties and the Crown Attorney decided to cross-examine our expert on the sentencing like um, we were committing homicide. And I was absolutely aghast at the anger and the and the vitriol which was coming out in the cross-examination when I was thinking I, I literally under my breath said what's with the anger like he's pleading guilty so I believe that we have to have a system in place where for those people who are guilty and they want to resolve and they want to come forward and they want to accept responsibility and they want to say I'm sorry that we have something that's appropriate and we deal with it with a modicum of compassion there are things that need to be deterred, and so, of course, sentencing principles apply. But we can't vilify everybody just simply because of who they are. In the United States, where they have this no contest, it's like neither here nor there. 
I, I, either you're innocent or you're not. Like, step, if you're going to plead guilty, step up and say the truth. But it, it's also called the deal with the devil for a reason, because sometimes people will plead guilty for reasons, you know, that are legitimate. Like, they'll, no they'll get out of jail faster. Forget it. That's, that's a fallacy. There is no legitimate reason. Never plead guilty just to lessen your sentence if you're innocent. You stick to your guns. If you're innocent, you're innocent, and you fight it out. And you hire lawyers who know what they're doing, and you fight it out. That's what you got to do. You see, it's unethical. You know, it's actually against the rules in Canada yeah. uh, to plead somebody guilty who says to you they are not guilty. You know, who refuses to acknowledge that but says, I can't afford, I can't continue to stay on, you know, bail or what have you. And the Crown's offering time served and I just want to get out because, right. um, you know, it'll take me six months to get to trial and I can just walk out right now and I'm in it, you know, I'm innocent, but it's ridiculous. I get, you know, I can get out now, time served if I plead guilty. So, we can't, if a guy tells me, I didn't do it, but I want to plead guilty, I can't help him. I, I tell him, I can't plead you guilty. I know who, somebody who was just offered time served if he pled guilty to certain things, and he's, and he's going to be on bail now because he refused to plead guilty. But um, his lawyer at the time was w would have been willing to do it. Yeah, well, yeah, well we don't. Yeah, well, we, I've we, never we, done that. I've refused to do it. Uh, and gotten off record. And gotten off record. We won't represent people who do that. Yeah. That's just wrong. Well, these are the kind of things I hear about from Lighthouse, right? Yeah. Right. And so there was a guy. For the, so, for, for so I have a nonprofit that I've been running for, gosh, about four years probably now, um, where I was advocating for people who were falsely accused or wrongfully convicted. And I got calls from all across Canada. Um, emails from all across Canada, sometimes calls once they get my phone number, <laughs> but <laughs> which I try not to give out too freely. But um, one, just kidding. <laughs> and and down, down in the States, uh, I know you just give people your cell phone number all the time. It's like, are you crazy? Oh, yeah, you're not on YouTube. Oh, you are now. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. So, so, uh, and calls from the States too, which are more difficult because yeah. they have a little bit different system and, you know, yeah. so, um, but there was this amazing guy. He was like, uh, like sort of a hippie dude. He used to go hiking all the time and, and, uh, you know, he stopped off at his aunt's I place. he has good knees if you went hiking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he had his, that. they have their like names on the trails where they all know each other by their nicknames and stuff like that. Cool. He's just an amazing guy. And, uh, <clears throat> so he found out he was being accused of something and then they told him he was okay to go. And then he got a call as he was just about to go out of cell phone range. And, uh, he's like, well, I'm on the trail. And he's like, yeah, okay. And so he's like, okay. And so off he goes. And then a few months later he gets like, surrounded by police hauled in shipped out of state taken back to where he was accused and he finally got out on bail and so then i'm talking to him and and uh trying to help him understand what his lawyer is telling him and he he had legal aid but he, the guy was actually pretty good he did he did a good is job the u.s and <clears throat> down in the states yeah, yeah don't this in the united states they're they're um public defenders yeah. uh, especially at the federal level yeah, i'm calling it legal aid are are really they have infrastructure it's not like here i mean they have infrastructure. They have funding. It's very impressive. It's it's not like what we have here. But then I get the dreaded email. Of course, they wait right until trial's about to start. So he's on edge, right? He's nervous, and uh, and then they offer him a, a plea deal, and uh, so I said, 
I think I suggested to him, I was like, well, what can you say you did that you actually did, right? Disturbing the peace. Because he was out with this chick and they were both drunk and they were like making a lot of noise and somebody yelled out the window, shut up out there. So I was like, you could offer to plead to, you know, disturbing the peace or whatever the equivalent is down in the yeah. States. And, uh, and then his lawyer's like, that's a totally different class of offense. They'd never accept it. Yeah. And I said, I, I can never tell you to plead to something you didn't do. That's yeah, and, and, and we have to hold strongly to that principle. Do you know what happened? What happened? He told his lawyer, I won't take the deal. The very next day, they withdrew the charges. It doesn't surprise so me. It's a game there. That Yeah, I know. Yeah. So they knew they weren't going to go to trial, but yeah. they tried to get a guilty plea out of him anyways, and I find that disgusting. That happens Absolutely sometimes. disgusting. I just want to pause for one second to ma- just to mention we have my lovely wife, Marcy, here today. I'm and nice we have you. a guest in our audience, hey? Who's our guest? The amazing Baz, who I just met um, like about hi, three weeks ago. Baz, hi. Welcome. Yeah. Private investigator. Stunning new upcoming private investigator. Welcome. Sorry, are yeah. we starting to have audience members? Yeah, is this a new are. thing? This apparently is... we are. We're getting to that level. But Mar- Marcy's part of the show. This was a cool well, thing she... that I heard, so I've been very happy to be here. So. <laughs> We're happy to have you, so I just okay. want to welcome you. So, um, yeah, but I was just like, and, and that's like, I, I started looking more into this whole deal with the devil thing. And there's a, a great article written in uh, Canadian Lawyer Magazine or something yeah. like that. But um, going through all the different reasons why people take plea deals. And like, and I've known a oh. number of people who took pleas to things well, they didn't do. You know, that's why bail is so important. A oh, let's yeah. talk about that. Oh, yeah. Bail is, oh, yeah. is bail's the number one. Let's segue into for a moment. So we're going to wrap up. Because you're a nice person doesn't mean you're not going to get charged. That's a f-ing reality, and and we really got to pay attention to that. And don't assume because people are charged that they're guilty. And we've seen some very sad things over the last few weeks, which has disturbed us. And we're going to help these clients, but it's it, it's it's a real it's a real issue which which hit which hit us. But let's transition to why do we want to live in a police state? And let's talk about bail first of all, okay? Because Something happened, and I, 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 it was in social media, and I was really angry, and I want to talk about it, and I think it's very significant for where we are as a society in Canada. Let's talk about bail. What, why is bail important? What's bail? Like, shouldn't we just, if you're charged, you should just be in jail? Well, there's this little principle, um, little, a little principle called presumption of innocence. Uh, and uh, that kind of gets in the way. Uh, so typically in um, free and democratic societies, we think that the sentence should come after conviction and not before. You mean like China? <laughs> no comment. Um, I'm still angry about our two Canadians who are finally here. But anyways. Right. So, so obviously, if there's a presumption of innocence, then you should be granted bail. Right. Uh, you know, obviously, there are limited situations in which a person should not be if they're a flight risk, if there's a reasonable likelihood that they're going to commit other offenses. offenses. If you've got them on video driving a van down Young Street. Uh, interfere with, well, that's a tertiary ground, the, but interfere with the administration of justice if you think they're going to you know, tamper with witnesses, things of that nature. Or, or the strength of the Crown's case. What do you mean by tertiary? Tertiary is, uh, we have, well, we've, uh, you know, 
we call it uh, primary, secondary, and tertiary grounds in the criminal code. So the primary grounds is, is this person a flight risk? You know, are they going to skip the country? Are they going to show up for trial? The second is uh, whether there's a reasonable likelihood that they're going to interfere with the administration of justice, commit other offenses, things of that nature. And then there's this kind of um, third uh, you know, tertiary ground, which is a catch-all kind of public outrage. So imagine the first situation. You know, a guy uh, has no criminal record. Uh, he's convicted or he's uh, uh, alleged to have murdered his wife, severed her head uh, in, uh, you know, on, in Dundas Square in front of uh, 2,500 people. Um, well, He's, you know, not a flight risk. He doesn't have uh, any uh, access to Cayman Islands, uh, you know, finances, doesn't even have a passport. Likely not to skip the country. No primary grounds. Secondary grounds. Well, the only person he's ever shown any animus is his, uh, appears to be his wife, and his wife is dead. So, uh, By really. Way, this is a hypothetical, everybody. This is a total hypothetical. Uh, so, does that mean. <laughs> like an epic storyteller but I love him uh, so does that mean you know love you you know on the primary and secondary grounds should he be released well yeah uh, would the public lose their minds uh, in a open and shut uh, very strong crown case in a horrific yes they would so there's a tertiary ground so if it's a you know if the case is a slam dunk and it's bad yeah, yeah. Then you 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 and, have an ability and, to deny. I get concerned about the phrase "public outrage," though, because but that's not the, the public term. is being trained. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> well, this is how I feel about what's going on on social media. The public is being trained to be outraged all the time. No, but the, but the, the, the test is a little bit more no, no, sophisticated. And we're going to get back to you. All right, we'll get back to you in just one moment. <laughs> the You're actual right. legal test. You're right. You're right. Yeah. The public is being trained and brainwashed. To be outraged for about advertising, ev- yeah, everything, and and we'll come back to that. But that's an important point, and we should stop and think about that. We're living in an outrage culture right now, mm-hmm. right? And this connects to the, your whole reason why you went to talk about why bail's important. Okay. So let's go back. So the tertiary ground is yeah. about where the case is really overwhelming, and the administration of justice would be brought into disrepute. In other words that the public would be outraged and pissed off that this person was released. Right. But, okay. but the, the, the imaginary public that a judge uh, has to imagine is one who, is, who understands basic concepts like, you know, the presumption of innocence. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt that, uh, in fact, um, you the know. The right to bail. The, the, the default position. Isn't it is, more accurate to say disrepute to the, you know. <clears throat> yeah, but nobody will understand that. Who's, yeah, it's just, it, I like when he says public outrage. Yeah. It, it explains right. it. It's, it's not the technical term, but. Uh, but anyway, so when a judge is actually making the decision, he has he or she has to actually put themselves um, to an educated, uh, fictional oh, member of the thinking. public 
who is educated and knowledgeable of all of the legal principles that underlie our system. It's not the just, you know, the guy at Tim Horton saying, what the hell, string him up and why don't we have capital punishment? That's not the person. Which, by the way, I'm devastated that apparently over <clears throat> over 50% of Canadians support capital punishment. I don't know why I'm losing my voice right now. <laughs> that number hasn't changed in a million years. It's always been that way. So, so this emanates from a case that's uh, ongoing in Ontario, where an accused individual um, was charged with murder of a police officer, unfortunately, in an underground parking lot. And I want to be very clear that I uh, regard the murder of a police officer as something being tragic and serious. These are individuals who um, take a position to protect the public. And we can all debate, you know, how we feel about uh, policing in general. But, you know, I have, a, I have good friends who are police officers and they're great people. And one in particular who is a very close friend who is exactly what I would say, you know, if my child was in trouble, that's the guy you run to. Um, so this homicide involving uh, an individual who struck and killed this officer is very serious. That said... They applied for bail. And it was in Superior Court because if you're applying for bail on a homicide, you have to apply. You don't get an automatic right to bail. So they have to apply to the Superior Court, which is the High Court. And they have the onus. We have the onus to, um, to establish that we should be, that the accused should be released as opposed to the no for vast majority of crimes, the onus is on the Crown to prove on a balance of probabilities that they should not be released. Excellent point. So, so you, if you... I'm just getting hot under your color. Okay, you're good. I, so, and I know why, because... Yeah, <laughs> I know what... This really bothered me. So, so you have to establish a reasonable basis to get bail. And part of that on a murder case, particularly involving a police officer is that there is, you know, no chance of you fleeing the jurisdiction. You've got roots within the area. You're going to be here. You've got a strong support system. You've got a good release plan. Um, you're not going to commit further offenses. And also, frankly, on this type of a case, there must be something about the prosecution case right. that is not as strong as one would think. Okay? So there would be some sort of uh, uh, attack if I can use that term, on the Crown's case to show that it is not as strong on a first or second degree murder. Okay. So I, I got asked to comment on this publicly, and I talked about the bail system, and then I got death threats. Mm -hmm. But that was by me. No, that's just a daily routine here, yeah. and he doesn't take you very seriously. He doesn't. <laughs> So I, I got, you know, uh, you know, you and your family should die. Somebody should murder you and your family. Your house should burn down. I want you dead. Okay, well, you know, you know sometimes you can regard At least they flattery. didn't criticize your hair, Joe. How you can You should see they? what they say about me on YouTube. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I wasn't so mad no, at... No, it's crazy. It's crazy. I wasn't happened. so mad at the attack because there are crazy people out there. That's not the issue. But when you get a number of people 
really assailing the system and essentially calling into question the judgment of a, of a Superior Court judge, who in this case is a bright, well-established lawyer before they got appointed, they're a good judge, and you have then politicians weighing in on it, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. Which set me off, okay? Doug Ford steps in the like he normally does, said stupid and then there was a whole conference on CP24 that I was subjected to listen to because I was flossing my teeth in the morning, and I sit in front of the TV with my lovely wife watching CP24, and I'm looking for the weather or maybe something interesting from Isaac Bogosh, Dr. Isaac Bogosh about COVID-19. Yeah, I just want to hear, like, anyways. Is he better than Fauci? Yeah, I, I so much like him better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and then I see the mayor of Brampton f***ing doing a whole display, taking up all this time to talk about bail reform, and he calls out some... Mr. Brown? Okay. I, I, I'm I need some time here because I'm shocked I, I, I need some time Mr. Brown nobody like bothered to pick up on this on mainstream media. Nobody bothered to attack this. And and people don't get how our rights in the system are being eroded. And we want to live in a police state. So the mayor of Brampton held a press conference that CP24 put on my 65-inch screen, which I'm so privileged to have, but actually it was quite cheap when Is we it bought it on. Is it supposed to be CP24? I, whatever, whatever it's called now. We, we got it on uh, Black, Friday. Black Friday, so it was really quite cheap. In any event, I'm losing my shit as I'm trying to floss, so my gums are bleeding because I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? And I can't, they're calling for bail reform. Bail reform. Yeah. Sounds like a tort. <laughs> no, but we really... <laughs> I got it with all seriousness. I got to have a serious conversation yeah. about this. I not know. only... Dudes, you're so not in line with me right now. I need some simpatico here. Like, I got death threats. Because I just can't I, believe I missed all this. I'm like, where was I? I, I was out of my mind. I got death threats because I actually said, yeah, we have a constitutional right to bail. It's in our constitution. It's in the charter. You have a right to reasonable bail. Am I right? Yes, you are. Okay, so it's in the Constitution. So people figured this out a while ago who happened to be a liberal who repatriated our Constitution. That was a prime minister of the same name of the guy who's in power now, okay? Who passed uh, something that has to do about, um, yeah, it's like you don't have a right to bail if you're accused of domestic violence. Okay, we're going to get there. Just let me finish this one and, um, and then... The floor is yours, okay? Because anybody who criticizes that me was Mr. Trudeau about was cutting called. off everybody, f*** you, I just want to say this, okay? So listen. <laughs> so this poll has a whole time on CP24 about bail reform. 24. Did I say P24? CP24 sounds Whatever. like I love the station. beer. I love the station because they have the, the intelligence to have me on now. But leaving that aside... What do we want? What do no seriously? What they were advocating was a presumption of innocence. But just what they're advocating is, if you're charged, you don't get bail. Let's live in a police state. Let's have mandates. Let's not be able to go here. Let's not be able to go there. Oh my God, you're charged. You go to jail. You don't get out. 
Never mind the difficulty in defending a case when you're in jail. Joe, there is no presumption of innocence. Joe, this is a f***ing sickness. Joe, it's not you, right. You forget, it's only going to happen to bad people. Of course, I'm quite calm about this issue. It's, it's like, it's, if you're a good person, you don't have to it, worry. It'll yeah, never happen you, to you. you. Don't have to worry. If you're a good person, yeah. you'll never be charged. Just I love when it if that were the, the case, beginning. I'd be bankrupt. <laughs> right. So. Like, f*** me! Yeah. Half of our, 80% yeah, of our clients are good people charged. I want charged. to get some of that before you pour your own. Um, so. I'm good. So, um, killing me. So one of the things that happened back when new rules of evidence were passed with Bill C-51, there was a, a Bill C-75 that um, proposed originally that anybody accused, yeah. no record, doesn't matter, all you have to be is be accused of something that's violence against women, domestic uh, assault. And I, I can't actually remember, but it was probably framed that it had to be violence against women because a lot of men are domestically assaulted as well. Um, Absolutely. That, that if, you're, if you're accused of one of those crimes, that it's a reverse on his bail and you should have to prove why you're safe to let out. Please explain that. Let's stop and explain so they understand what a reverse on his bail is. Right. This is major that instead of like we were saying earlier unless it's something like murder or something like that 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 uh the crown has to has to show why you're a risk uh either for flight or for um you know a risk to the public a threat to the public in some way <clears throat> and of course this is where they're trying to get this in is they're saying well um victims of domestic violence is is often repeat and victims the you're Not at an eightfold Not risk of being murdered by somebody when you try to leave them so therefore he should have to prove he's not going to kill her okay so let's just break this down chris explain a reverse onus all please right. and so everybody understands yeah, this is not this is not a joke a little bit if you all want to live in a police anecdotal. state knock yourselves out i'm moving okay so onus is what it sounds like who has the burden of establishing certain facts certain principles typically the state in our system always has the burden. When it comes to bail, there's a series of offenses for which um, it, that onus is always on the crown. So they are the ones who have to demonstrate to a justice of the peace or a judge why you, you know, this person should be detained. Right. It's their burden. If they don't satisfy their burden, the person gets out. And again, I just want to emphasize, in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, our Constitution, there is a right to reasonable bail. Right. But also, you know, when and I say... And we have to get into the reason why, when you're defending yourself, you need to be out right. on bail. But when I say, you know, uh, they get out, they, you know, with terms and conditions uh, that yeah. have uh, our, you know, limitations in order to prevent persons from contacting the complainant, going to certain locations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in a reverse onus situation, which is reserved for, uh, well, incredibly serious crimes, uh, we're talking about homicide, we're talking about uh, doing things for the purposes uh, or at the benefit of uh, organized crime, mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Threatening to kill the queen. I was going to say that. That's crazy. Well, that's part yeah. of the five. That, yeah, no. Um, anyway. That's a hanging offense. The onus is on the accused. The, it's, the onus is on the accused to establish on a balance 
that it, that he should be released. And if he fails to establish that, then he gets detained. So he or she, right? He or she. Uh, ninety-nine. A lot of women want to kill the queen. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent will be he. All right. Uh, particularly. Well, I started on camera. <laughs> as always. Okay, so let's go back. Let's yeah. circle back for a moment. So, Bill C seventy-five originally. I love you, Justin. Uh, Justin and and his his minister at the time of justice wanted to have individuals charged with domestic violence. With no criminal record. With no criminal record to have the onus to establish why they should be released. Pause. I want a dramatic pause. I want people to, if there's anybody watching this who gives a shit about liberty, to think about that. Your current prime minister, and back then, what year was this? 2019? It was passed in the end of 2018. Right. So the minister at that time of justice, they wanted, they wanted that anybody accused of domestic violence would have to prove why the fuck they should get out on bail. Um, Pause. But if you were charged with, but if you were charged with manslaughter, it was still the crown onus. That's why I love you. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. This is great. We got a dramatic pause. Right. So if they had their way, this asshole would have had anybody charged with domestic violence, male or female, have to prove why they would get out on jail. But if you're charged with manslaughter, non-domestic related, you you don't have the onus. Justin didn't actually write the bill. I just want to be a little bit fair there. Well, he couldn't write the bill. Do you think he could construct the bill? (laughs) No. He's just good at looking good on camera and like wearing fancy socks, but <clears throat> so, but he he's totally like happy to like do anything that makes him look feminist. <clears throat> but I was thinking about this earlier. Dave actually, Chappelle we were had a great. Else. Dave Chappelle in his when, recent. His when recent, it comes to him being accused, he's like, "Oh, men and women have different perceptions." Can you imagine that being an, a legitimate defense in court? No, men and women have. <laughs> No. No. I no. Wish, I wish no. I could, could be totally drunk and I still would not recognize that. Like it's Yeah. Yeah. But nobody gets how close how close you came as a population in this country to your governing party, the government. That party almost took away your right to bail. If God forbid you were charged with a domestic offense. Which has a hundred, almost 100% charging policy. Right. 100% charging policy. On nothing but And they can arise out of a high-conflict divorce where either party wants to fuck over the other party just because they want the house, they want to get the kids. And don't tell me that people are nice. Don't tell me that people in a divorce are going to be nice to each other. Don't tell me that we're inherently benign. <laughs> fuck you. No. People are self-interested and they'll do whatever they want to survive. And the reality is, our criminal justice system has to be a base to protect interests. Do you know what I've said before? And when people have said, it's like, my wife would never have do I that lost to me. in this episode? A little, yeah. you're, you're, yeah. getting, you're getting there. What no, I've said before is like, when people was like, my wife would never do this, because I try to point out how women can be just as evil as men and so on. Right? My wife would never do that. It's like, or my husband wouldn't. Because men no, are bad. In this case, men are no, bad she, she, she's she's referring like, to And I said, 
get divorced now because I'll tell you, by, <laughs> by the time she wants to divorce you, she'll be a totally different creature and you have no idea what she'll do to you. You have no idea. <laughs> Look, we, we've represented what, women and in I, this and situation I'm saying, too. I'm saying it in women, yeah. I know. And it does happen right. the other direction. And in it fact, does. I worked with one of my bosses. She got totally hoodwinked by... Nobody uses that word anymore, hoodwinked. It's a great word. I love hoodwink, yeah. poppycock. Yeah. So don't um, do your accent. But yeah, he totally don't. wiped her out. Oh, that he f- f- uh, that's f- it, Poppy Cock. No, well, what the f- is gone. Don't, f- don't start him on that accent. Okay, tell everybody what the accent is. Just so that you're crazy. Uh, one of my favorite Netflix shows is is Peaky Blinders. If if anybody from that would pay attention, including the lead actors there, I fucking love the show. I was riveted. I couldn't stop. It was amazing. I thought the acting was outstanding. The writing was great. The suits were amazing. I, I love this show every which way from Sunday. I thought I, th- I thought Tommy and Arthur Shelby were like the bomb. I was so... It, it, when Adrian Brody came I'm in as the Italian mobster from, from New York, I thought it was amazing. Love the show. I think now we've turned into a TV podcast. Oh, I'm not no. doing critiques of TV oh, shows no, 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 for Netflix production. I'm just going to... Binge watch it so I can tell you how your accent is bad. That's no, but let's get it. back to the point here, which, okay. which is really serious. We don't realize, people don't realize how close our society really wants to live in a police state. So we want... But it's always on the presumption that it'll never happen to them. Right. So I say, right. Marcy, how many times do I say when I'm interviewed, oh, people take that position until they're charged their family members charge, or their good friend. And then they go, idea. how can this happen? Oh my God, Mr. Newberger, how can this happen? Oh my God, how could he be charged? How could I be charged? How could my son be charged? Well, because you don't f-ing pay attention to what our politicians say. You don't give a shit because crime is bad. But we don't pay attention to the fact that some of it is bullshit and false. Right? All the time. Right, honey? All the time, correct. One of the worst things is like people reporting their neighbors and stuff. Like for like, oh my god, they're having a party. They have seven point six people in their backyard during COVID. Oh my god, let's call the hotline and get them charged. Do you know what I want to do? Like I was just saying, I wonder what if, what if you go out and just pretend to be calling somebody and like you know watch your neighbors whenever they're doing something they shouldn't be doing or something like that and just pretend to be calling them if you know that they're reporting other people. No, I, this, I is, this is a drunken I, thought. This is a drunken yeah, thought. No, I'm just like, so, to you. but, you know, well, so you're, you're the, leading into the pattern behind it. The pattern behind it is that, um, you know, I, I'm a big supporter of unfettered freedom of speech, right? And uh, the best thing you can do when well, you don't no, like... There has to be some fettering to speech. Right, okay, well, we can little, debate that later. Only but, murders. But other, only murder you know, my, my position is just, just on the surface, my position is counter speech is the best way. I, you know, my reported, basic argument is if that. If it's fairly reported and, and accessible, which is not the case in our society now. Okay, but well, we're going to get sidetracked speech, though, on something just saying, else. Yeah. You know, if somebody has ridiculous racist ideas or, you know, sexist ideas or whatever, I want to know who they are. So let them I talk. I agree. Right? So, so yeah. that's the reason to let them talk. And then well, you just counter speech, right? Well, I agree so if people want to be assholes and go and start reporting on their neighbors because they're communists, like, you know, I, I know you're... He's not. I'm making him into... Yeah. I'm making this... Okay. To a my no, 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 no. I'm properly represented. <laughs> my representation, though, is trying to change me. Just like I would never, but I, I wouldn't actually do the thing that I don't recommend, but it'd be fun pretending to do it, mm. is all I'm saying. All right. Anyway, that's a total digression. 
That's okay, but question. let's go back to a police state. Because I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm amazed because I got death threats talking about bail. That people believe that because you're charged, you're guilty. And they don't understand that that's not true. That, in fact, there are false allegations and bullshit charges. And that we have a presumption of innocence. And we love to live in a... And, and, and from what I can tell, from the hate emails I got in communications, we want to be in a police state. That's what we want. And, you know... Some people have been messaging us about, you know, mandates. That, like, so we're going to talk about this. They for a also, moment. they also want you to have really nice hair. Because I, I know from my comments, is it is it standing up? No, no, your hair actually looks really nice right now. I'm I just, just wanted I'm to point that it, out for all of our. Nothing I can do about it. But you know, we we get resp- <laughs> we get a lot of questions about you know vaccine mandates and how it's enforceable and all that. And so look, you know, I I don't want to take a position. I I think. This vaccines, these vaccines work, but where we go to the extent of mandating and people are getting excluded and we're politicizing this and we're making this into a horrific sort of social struggle is a problem. And we do have to take a step back and think a little bit about our liberties. We're facing an unprecedented time where there is something which is dangerous to us, but we also have to balance that with what liberty is. And, and we have to remember it's a careful point because, you know, we we do it in criminal law. And yet here we're also having exclusion because we have a pandemic. And there is, you know, a corollary between this. And, and, And protection of liberty interests is important. You know, the United States is on the other end of insanity. I think we're much more balanced in Canada. But there is... You would say that you're a Canadian. Well, but I, you know, I used to like the United States until Donald Trump did. came So in. you're our constitutional sort of Person? expert here. Expert? I don't know. You're, yeah, you you're, tell you're, us. You do a lot of constitutional stuff. Yeah. So a lot of people thought that, you know, the vaccine passports were unconstitutional just when you're looking at, like, can you go into a restaurant or whatever. But then now we have, now I think it's a little something different where we've got um, people, have their employers are saying, yeah, you can't keep your job unless you get... Right, um, double vaxxed and pretty soon maybe triple vaxxed. Who knows? Um, so here's the thing. even if they can work on Zoom. Yeah. So there there are so many different layers to this. Step one, uh, high high level. Uh, you don't have a constitutional right to make uh, an income in our country. All right. Uh, right. Uh, you know when they were debating the charter. They specifically elected not to have that. So you, Do you know why? Pardon? Do you know why? Yeah, property rights and monetary rights were not included. Because that's that's what they you know you know that's the U.S. Constitution. So it was a serious uh, consideration, and it, f- it felt like it was a step too far. Uh, so we don't have that. Um, that's a good point to make. So you don't have a right to. I got uh, distracted by Marcy. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, under <laughs> so under the Canadian She's married. Char- <laughs> under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, um, you don't have a right to a job. All right, uh, unfettered. All right. The so that's I guess the starting position. Then you get you know the next level down you would be talking about provincial human rights codes and what how they can limit and so on and so forth completely out of my purview because it's you know not stuff i practice 
Uh, so I'll stay out of that. But going back to the federal level, um, where I think they may have a problem, which is the mandates not for employment, but the mandates regarding travel. And, That's my concern. And my parents actually just called me this weekend and said, um, "Do you want to go out to Alberta and we're going to visit, you know, my brother?" And yeah, and uh, I was like, "I don't think I'll be able to fly." Right, because because what what we have is you have uh, mobility rights under the Constitution. Uh, so obviously, if the government says you can't travel. From you know, fe- take any sort of public transit or or, f- or planes, trains, and boats. Right. So you know, if you're Not automobiles. So uh, you know that's another one of my favorites. You know, um, so th- you know the the argument, I guess, is um, you can take a car, but except that, if you're on the on Victoria, you know, the uh, Vancouver Island in Victoria. You can't take the ferry to the mainland. Um, you know, my I actually have oh an extended family member I used to live in Victoria. who could who 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 is a conspiracy theorist, and he refuses. He's my brother-in-law's brother. Yeah. He refuses to get uh, a vaccine, and he could not go to pick up his spouse at the airport in Vancouver. Uh, she had to take the the ferry over. So, so step one, that, that appears to me as a violation of your mobility rights. Yeah. The thing about... Why are mobility rights important? Uh, well, impo- well, it's a basic freedom. In, in, yeah, but I, I think we should explain why. Sure. Chris. Uh, well, in part, when we were crafting our constitution uh, or the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in the 80s, um, you know, thinking about it seriously in the starting in the '60s with the Bill of Rights, there was this other uh, great monolith called the Soviet Union, and in part, uh, we started thinking that is what it was that was different between us and the Soviets. And in the Soviets, you 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 know the accent, and <laughs> you had to well, not just the accent, right? But you know you didn't have mobility rights. Week? You needed to. I sh- have to practice, and I like it too. Show your papers, right? right. And you had to have, uh, yeah. and so on and so forth. So it was seen as a fundamental right, um, and is still seen as a fundamental right. The free movement of individuals. That's how you're able to congregate. You're able to exercise your right to vote. Your right, your freedom you're able of to conscience. Leave if you don't agree with the mores of the society you're living in, you can go to a different city. Correct. Correct, right? You're being persecuted. So, but if the government says... Let's, let's imagine, like, people used to be, like, exiled from the communities, and they still are. Like, our MP who was told he can't run for politics or whatever. Just let's, no, let's but, wrap up with that, because well, that gets me in, insane, too. I know, so, I, I think know. it's a but, good way. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, one of, one of the things is... Use, you know, the Soviets, you, need to, you needed to have an exit visa to leave the country. Well, if you're in Canada... And the rule is that you can't fly on any airline because of federal regulations without a vaccine. Guess even what? Even inter-country, like you know, no, no, between but, provinces. But, but but even even leaving the country, you know, if they pass a law, you know, if they well, the ARP have passed a law and it's coming into effect that says you can't fly out of the country. That is effectively 
uh, a bar to preventing individuals from Canada from leaving the country. Even All if right? they're being persecuted. Well, for any reason, right? So, so you know, so that's why. Now, where it gets complicated is, you know, Canada happens to have uh, a safety valve, so to speak. Uh, and our, you know, Section 1 of the Constitution says all of these rights that we're giving you, right, that the state is giving you, uh, are limited by what's acceptable in a free and democratic society. So, it's, it's within reason. You know, which is what I always yell to my well, children. Well, section well, one, well, section well, one well, is the problem. Well, well it, 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 what it, what it is is because look, if you have, you know, we have a right to uh, um, uh, to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. We want to be able to ha- have search warrants where your right to search and seizure gets violated in order for them to be able to discover the murder weapon or what have you, but. Uh, you know, that exception has to be within a free and democratic society. And what does that mean? It means prior judicial authorization, certain rules, blah, 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 blah. The authorization right. has to be, you know, because it's reasonable. Well, that's exactly it. But that uh, that's what animates the whole the whole question. So it's... it's but it's, every right, everything under section, after section one, everything from two to the end... Can be overridden if it's in the public interest, right? But so you know. Well, it, it's it's it is it is it is animated by an analysis. So what is reasonable? What's a you know? Well, I think in the past, I think I think the court, I think judges were reasonable about applying Section One. I don't trust them anymore. Okay, let, let's 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 leave that out for a moment. So, like, let's we'll assume do that we, next time. Let's not criticize our judiciary, but no, let's just no. say this. There is... Someone's got it, Joe. <laughs> okay. I've done it before. But, but, but there is importance to having a balance. And so not everything is absolute. We need a balance. And I think that's why our Section 1 comes in. But what Chris is talking about and what we have to really understand is, are we getting to the point now, because of what we perceive as risk and in a health perspective, are we getting to a point now where we are really limiting people's rights? And we are doing it in a way that will have a significant detrimental effect on those people who will either choose to not disclose their vaccine status or who choose as an individual that they don't want to put a foreign chemical into their body and how do we manage that? And are we not looking at alternatives that are available, that's, like yeah, that's screening and testing and rapid testing and denying and, exemptions unless you're in an extreme thing where you've already where you you're in a risk category, so you didn't take the first one, so you can't get an exemption because you you only qualify if you took it and had an extreme reaction, right? Like. And you can't require that people put their life at risk or if they're in a risk category that's legitimate. Like, there has to be other options. That's the crazy factor for me. In part, there, there there's an issue which is it's just obviously easier to go along, uh, to get along, all right? And because yeah, if, if you were asked um, any part of your health background... Uh, you know, do you have the HPV vaccine or any other part of your, um, your, your health to board a plane? You would most likely say, I'm not answering that question. Piss off. 
right? That's none of your business. What my do you have a communicable disease? Well, that covers a lot of things, doesn't it? Look, it comes down to this. You know, some people will say, "I don't give a shit. I have those vaccines." Yeah. Yes, and some people will say, "Why? Why do I have to tell a, a perfect stranger my personal?" medical history. I lived with a man who I absolutely adore, a roommate um, in, uh, that I had in England, who would not let them scan our apartment to see if we had a TV in it, because the BBC goes around and they charge you if you have a television, they charge you of some sort of a fee or something like that. We didn't have... But I like the BBC. Yeah. Except they don't, they don't consistently well, he give didn't the like temperature Tel Aviv for So some they reason. would charge you like some sort of, and I can't remember because it was so long ago I lived there. But it's an we, inside joke. They it's, couldn't have charged us, but he refused to let them into our apartment. Out of principle. Out of principle. And I was just like, can you just let them in so the, they leave us alone? Right. They're driving around our street with radar trying yeah. to like catch us doing something we're not doing. That's the pain in the ass group that will litigate this and say, out of principle, you know, I'll, like, I likely have the vaccine, but, you know, I ain't telling you. Right. So what, what we're talking about basic rights. Yeah. And we're in an unprecedented era where we are seeing an erosion of basic rights. Yeah. And I'm tying this in for a legitimate reason, because people are outraged. Because they're being trained to be outraged. But I want to be clear about this. It appears that people are outraged about having to disclose their medical history, about being restricted to get into restaurants, uh, movie theaters, uh, especially because Ghostbusters is coming out after life, which I think everybody should have a right to go to because I love f-ing Ghostbusters. Um, the original. The original. I, not, I'm not dissing that remake because they were yeah, funny. Yeah, you are. Those ladies were <laughs> really will. funny, but I love Bill Murray and the other. other time. But what I'm talking about is... Cultural appropriation. <laughs> Don't get me going. <laughs> but, you know, we're talking about here... I really want people to understand this. If you give a shit about this podcast and what we're trying to get across to the population who watches this, and viewers do get this, is that we're talking about outrage at disclosing medical history, which is vaccine status in a pandemic about access to public resources and travel and at the same token somebody wants to kill me and burn down my fucking house and murder my family because I said somebody accused of a crime was entitled to bail mm-hmm. oh we didn't do we get this we didn't finish actually saying why it's so important trying to defend yourself when you're in jail is so difficult it's unbelievable Let's talk about that because I'm yeah. getting this signal. We're going to have to wrap up. Soon. Yeah, I know. We do. We do. We do. Okay, so let's. But let's, also, I just wanted to say, a like, hook coming out to pull us out. I just wanted to say also, when like we were saying, because we're being trained to be publicly outraged. I don't just mean that. Like, I have, I have a lot of opinions. I'm a very opinionated. Bitch, which is why I'm never being asked to be on a jury, <laughs> which I'm very thankful for. Right. <laughs> um, I, I just throwing back to another podcast where I, I, I was joking about why I'm not on a jury. Um, but um, I think it's uh, important for both sides of every because we're so polarized now. Very that polarized. that like if I have an opinion, there's people who mess up the side I'm fighting for on, on a certain argument because they go all like conspiracy theory. Alex Jones, apparently he's right about a lot of things, but he's very very wrong about a lot of other things. But like Sandy Hook. 
but <laughs> like you know the we have to come to arguments with solidly thought out researched opinions yeah so let, let let's yeah. kind of wrap it up because we're getting close so let's just say a couple of things and just if you don't mind let me take the lead on this one we need the right to bail because if you're in jail it's very difficult to mount your defense. You got to get have access to your lawyer, access to resources. You need the ability to defend yourself. So the right to bail is very f-ing important, regardless of the offense. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with our system. Two, we need to be careful about moving ourselves into a police state because that's not where we should be going. We need more freedom. We need to be careful about what restrictions we put in place, and we need to be treating things humanely. Three which is what we started about is just because you're a good person doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to be safe. We have to be careful about wrongful charges, never mind wrongful convictions, because the charging itself is life-altering. And we'll, we'll, we'll go back on this topic with the next episode. But I want people to understand. Put the fists in, babies. Let's go, okay? Never say sorry on text messages. No, no. <laughs> That's good. But it's okay to be compassionate. It's okay to be human. It's okay to emote. But that should not mean you're guilty. And we should be more careful about what, how we deal with people in society, including what we do with criminal law. I really mean we need compassion in this system and understanding and a better nuanced approach. Go.